Hello everyone and welcome to It's Cardiac Rehab Podcast, a podcast series where we discuss the patient's journey through participation in cardiac rehabilitation programs following a cardiac event. This series is a collaboration between the Irish Association of Cardiac Rehabilitation and the Irish Heart Foundation, supported by Serbia Laboratories Ireland, and focuses on the patient journey following a cardiac event. My name is Anthony Burrows and I'm your host for this series. During this series, we will hear from patients who have experienced a cardiac event. They will share with us what they went through and how participation in a cardiac rehabilitation program supported their recovery. So on today's episode, we're joined by Dr. Sinead Mulhern, Principal Clinical Psychologist in the Matter Hospital Dublin, who will talk to us about the different emotions that people feel during and after their cardiac event. Thank you very much. Uh, happy to be here this morning. Um, so I'm Sinead Mulhern. I'm the Principal Clinical Psychologist in Cardiac Rehab in the Matter. And uh, I've been there about six years now. And uh, I work with the team in Cardiac Rehab who are uh, nursing staff and the team coordinator and uh, admin and physio and dietitian. So there's a whole team of people who offer an eight week programme to people who've had a cardiac event. And it's a great place to work. I really enjoy it. And uh, there's a lot of positive energy there. And of course, the Cardiac Rehab Unit has been in the matter for, for several years. Yes, yeah. So it's it's coming up to 28 years now this October, which is a which wow. is a long time. So it's seen a few iterations at this point. But, uh, and it's, ju- yeah. it's just on Eccles Street? It's on Eccles Street, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. across there, from the main. In Hart House there, across from the, the main And the corner. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly. Yeah. I know it well. Yeah. So I guess, look, we're talking today about psychology in, in cardiac rehab. I mean, this is your speciality, it's your role and, and a very important part of, I suppose, the recovery process. And can you tell mm-hmm. us about that? Yeah, so I suppose in terms of, you know, people sometimes ask, what, you know, why is psychology relevant to this? It's really about the kind of physical recovery. And, and while that's really important and it's true in terms of physical recovery is paramount, in terms of, I suppose, if we look at the body from a kind of a holistic way, in terms of that link between the mind and the body, actually how people are doing psychologically is often just as important, um, particularly for a group of people who, who might be struggling a bit more. So I suppose that's why it's a key part of the of the cardiac rehab programme. And, and and the research is there, I guess, to, to show the importance between the link between mm-hmm. psychological well-being in healing. Yes, yeah. And I suppose people who have a history of, of stress or mm-hmm. sometimes even uh, struggling a bit more with the like of depression or anxiety might be more likely to develop um, cardiovascular disease or coronary health disease. And also then people who have that after a cardiac event are more likely in the years after to struggle more in terms of their health outcomes or potentially even in terms of mortality. So it's quite it's quite a significant piece in terms of people's well-being if they're if they're coping well and adjusting well to such a, a big life event um, that can be quite uh, shocking and traumatising really for people at times or you can just take people out of their stride that they've been in and uh, can be a challenge to adjust to. And we'll get into that mm. in a little bit yeah. more detail. Yeah. Um, so I guess you mentioned there that the, the programme, you're involved in a multidisciplinary mm-hmm. team, it's eight weeks. Uh, so can you tell us a bit more about kind of your role yeah. during that eight week programme and, and as the patients, I suppose, on a practical level, they're coming in, when do you see them? 
and uh, and what do you do? Mm-hmm. So I meet with everybody in uh, the stress talk, which is uh, we, we have a kind of a stress group that is run and everybody's invited to that. And we just talk through, I suppose, the different aspects of, you know, what might be stressful in people's lives, maybe the stress that they've had after um, their cardiac event or even maybe in the run up to uh, the cardiac event, stress might have played a role in terms of, you know, their lifestyle and I suppose, uh, their coping and the impact of that afterwards. So we explore some of that in a group format and it can okay. be really helpful to do that with. Group. So pre-COVID there would have been 10, yeah. now we're down to four. So uh, it's kind of slower going through the numbers of, of people who are coming through the, the, the programme. But that can be nice too in terms of people having a little bit more peer support and uh, being able to hear and identify that other people have gone through this, that I'm not the only one going through this. That can be really significant in terms of the support that people And that's at the start of the programme in the that's, first? Yeah, so it, it'll depend. So they'll do their ongoing um, exercise and they'll have different um, talks from different multidisciplinary team members sure. during the during the eight weeks. So it'll depend on where the stress talk comes into that. But it's run over a couple of hours, and uh, I think as part of that, we do kind of uh, I suppose an introduction into mindfulness as well, and the idea about how uh, using some mindfulness techniques can be a helpful way of slowing down and coming back into the present moment. Because uh, as is the case with everybody, we can be often in the future or in the past and. Uh, not as present as we might uh, benefit from being. So we talk about that and then everybody's invited to an eight-week mindfulness group then usually. Um, With the same group that they're in then? So there'll be different people. Not everybody would take that up. So mindfulness wouldn't be for everybody. There'll be some people who'd find that really helpful. that's okay. Yeah, and that's perfectly okay. And just even with life demands and and things like that, that can be difficult to to commit to. But so people from across a few different groups would... uh, then in the same group Um, and they just explore different ways of I suppose using the breath as a way of coming back to the present moment Mm -hmm. and not getting us caught up in in our head or in our thinking or our worries and concerns about things and so I suppose we do the, the group exercises and then for uh, a portion of people then who might be um, struggling a little bit more or might want some space to explore some of the things that they've experienced since the cardiac event, they would talk to to, uh, the nursing staff there in terms of, you know, maybe some of the needs that they might have and we'd set up a one-to-one session as well or they can come up to me after the group and say look you know they might have uh, you know different kind of feelings or thoughts in terms of what's happening to them at the moment and how they might cope and sometimes I meet with people for a short time and sometimes for a little bit longer depending on what's going on for them. So it's a very um, flexible kind of approach yeah. from, from your perspective in terms of yeah meeting the needs. Of yeah people. exactly Great. yeah trying to, to kind of offer what, what we can. And look at it, I guess we'll, we'll come back to this a few times uh, during the discussion because it's important for people listening to this mm. to say you know uh, none of this is very prescriptive. Mm-hmm. It's it's to it's show people, to illustrate people what they can avail of mm-hmm. uh, during the, the the rehab program, mm-hmm. and you know not to be concerned. That I mean, there's there, there's ways that everyone everyone's needs can be met. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, I suppose, that, you know, everybody has a different response. And yes. for, for some people, um, you know, that they find maybe the physical aspects of it more challenging or some of the lifestyle changes or the, the dietary changes that are required. And for other people, it might be that they just feel a bit more emotionally vulnerable. Um, and I suppose we have a range of different responses um, post cardiac event. And I think there are lots of different kinds of experiences that people have that, you know, that there can be, a, you know, a, a wide range of feelings. Sure. But a kind of, you know, there's a, a commonality or a normality to that as well. And um, people sometimes feel like they're the only one going through that. And actually, you know, most of the time, uh, most people are feeling something that uh, a lot of their group that have gone through the same. Experience. I guess they're in a group there 
yeah. that, that early kind of interaction with a group can, I suppose, settle a lot of people yeah. as they start off in, yeah. the, in the rehab programme. And they don't know what to expect when they come in and they might be a bit nervous and thinking, how did I find myself here? Um, and actually, uh, once they kind of settle in and it's a nice it's a nice team down there. So I think they're used to people coming in in that way. But after, um, you know, after the first week, I think people start to kind of open up and, and just begin to share, I suppose, things that they didn't expect to find themselves there. Yeah. Um, and But getting, you know, really good support from, from other people and from the team and that and the exercises. Great stuff. Yeah. So Sinead, can you tell us, um, okay, if we, if, we, if we think about, you know, we've, we've explored, you know, people starting off in a group scenario there, like in the stress group and uh, getting into, you know, that process uh, in the cardiac rehab programme. But we'll just concentrate maybe for a few moments here and now, somebody's had an event, what's it like mm-hmm. for people? What kind of, you know, distress can they mm-hmm. go through or, or what are the emotions that you see or associated with, with post an event? Yeah, so I think like that, people are often very grateful and relieved that they've recovered or that they've survived um, mm. a, a heart attack. But actually, when things become a little bit more physically stable, they've been discharged from hospital, things are, are recovering um, and they engage maybe in the cardiac rehab programme or otherwise, often then people can uh, begin to feel some of their emotional vulnerability kind of rise to the surface things sure. that they might have kept a little bit at bay because they're very focused on the on the physical recovery at that point um, and rightly so that's yeah. the initial part of the recovery process but then it can feel a little bit safer then for some of this emotions to, to surface so I suppose from that point of view I think uh, people can begin to see um, that they might be afraid for example of um, something like this happening again sure. and that sense of a kind of a fear of recurrence can be predominant in people's minds. Perfectly yeah. normal, I suppose, yeah. experience for people to go through. Exactly. Um, and I think often people don't know somebody else or they may not, you know, might be in the family and they might have had other people had a similar experience. But for a lot of people, they're the only person that they know who's gone through this. So mm-hmm. they don't have a sense of what's normal about this. There isn't a, a roadmap or a sense of knowing what what's what's normal here. What I mean, there's a trauma, I guess, associated with having an event or, or yeah. having experience. I mean, there's a spectrum there. I mean, we've heard from people during the series, um, you know, might have it been a stent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or then in other cases, people where it's it's a more serious event. But again, you're you're probably talking to a people across a, a wide spectrum of experience, even within that. Yeah. So I suppose if if you if you look at people's experience in terms of kind of you know very generally speaking, you might look at people, for example, more kind of feeling anxious or in the kind of anxiety realm, or people maybe in you know kind of more kind of grief or kind of low mood, uh, or maybe in the more kind of depressed, let's say, response to it. Okay. And in terms of anxiety, to people who might be afraid of of something like this happening again. Um, and that might extend all the way up to, you know, include, for example, sometimes people can feel very panicked or kind of at the at the more, you know, at the end where they might be struggling more, people might experience a level of anxiety that might interrupt um, their lives. Or in terms of depending on the experience that people have had, if they've had a very traumatic experience during um, their cardiac event, then sometimes there can be um, kind of residual symptoms then of, you know, what might be symptoms of post-traumatic stress sure. um, and for, for a lot of people again that might be something that they experience can be very frightening um, and people don't necessarily understand what's happening but that you would expect over time that those symptoms will will reduce um, but obviously if there's ongoing difficulties over a period of months then people you know it would be a benefit for people to, to see what kind of support they can get with that um, to either talk to maybe to their GP or to even you know trusted family members friends mm-hmm. there's a lot of information online as well um, and we've 
there's some resources put up online as well in terms of even things like kind of relaxation or mindfulness um, being able to try some things yourself because a lot for a lot of people they have a lot of resources um, you know up until that point uh, they were going along okay uh, or relatively okay in their lives mm-hmm. this major event has happened and it's kind of uh, you know really kind of taken them out of their stride and I suppose it's about just trying to kind of garner some of that support and inner resilience as well of how do I get back on track again I mean I think everyone's tendency is to try and get back on the horse isn't yeah, it yeah yeah you know so that's that sense of having to uh, you've been given some information that the surgery went well and that yes. you know everything's expected to be okay and often that's interpreted that I'm going to get as you say straight back on the horse and get straight back into my life again um, and there can be challenges with that and people can feel very disappointed or mm. can feel very frustrated um, or sometimes can be really you know impacted by not being able to get straight back into their lives again particularly if there's any kind of financial implications or mm-hmm. um, so people can sometimes struggle with that what, what does it mean um, that I can't just go straight back into work or straight back into taking my, up my responsibilities at home maybe and, and, and people can be very harsh on themselves sometimes yes. particularly if they've been very harsh prior to the heart attack and they were maybe you know working uh, very hard or kind of had a lot of responsibilities and driving themselves very hard if we're very overly demanding if you then interrupt that person in their life track and say right we're going to have to do things differently now they obviously want to keep going on the on the track that they were on and can really find that adjustment difficult and particularly if they are you know very maybe critical or harsh of themselves and saying I have to do this or if I don't do this they might often talk to themselves as if they're a failure or if there's something they're doing wrong Um, when actually if they stood back and looked at a relative or a friend or somebody that they cared about in the same scenario they would very often be well able to say hang on a second here you need to stop and just uh, just take some time out and actually recover and recover well so that this doesn't happen again. And, and you mentioned at the top there I mean that, that we started talking about a stress group I mean stress is a big part of life and yeah. I mean and there's a stress associated mm-hmm. you know post the event mm. and you talk about fear um, uh, I, I guess anger is in there too. I mean, there's, there's again a spectrum of emotions that are normal. And and that grief and sadness that people can feel because I suppose it's not what they planned. They had expectation of themselves mm-hmm. or and, and particularly for people who maybe were very healthy. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of people who have been doing all the right things, ticking yeah. all the right boxes and saying, how did this happen to me? I have no history of anything and I've been living a very healthy life. What happened? And there may not be an answer to that question in the sense of feeling, you know, a grief really about mm-hmm. about what's um what they were expecting to happen and then I suppose a sense of fragility of life that actually um, what happens when I realise that actually me along with everybody else that I'm mortal and that I'm not going to be here forever um, and we often cope with uh, you know that by the process of denial really and we kind of like to keep that to one side the fact mm-hmm. that we're not going to be here forever that's really for other people it's not really for me you know even though I know on some level that it's got to do with me as well not really I think I'll be roughly 99 when I go that that would suit me so this idea that actually I might be in my 40s my 50s and something like this happens can be really shocking and uh, people can feel very vulnerable and I suppose very kind of raw or maybe exposed um, and can feel a lot of either anxiety or sadness or a combination of both of those things yeah. and I guess sleep I mean you know we, yeah. we, we spoke about yeah. it briefly beforehand yeah. I mean it's a very important uh, a factor in all this as well isn't it and there can be a few different ways that sleep is interrupted but things like you know feeling very worried or feeling very anxious about what might happen next 
you know, we can hold a physical tension in the body. So I suppose the way that we, we operate, we're often what's happening in our mind mm-hmm. is driving what we're feeling in the body. So we might have particular thoughts about a certain situation that might then uh, have an impact on how we feel emotionally and what we're holding in the body mm-hmm. physically. So if I'm th- if I'm worried, oh God, is this going to happen again? Or what's, you know, how, how can I cope? Or what would happen if this X or Y happened? And all the physical tension that we hold in the body can keep us then much more alert and awake at night time and a sense of, you know, a habit that can form then in terms of kind of sleep interruption. But also there can be a fear um, if I fall asleep, I might not wake up and that can be really terrifying for people. They can get really scared of that. Mm. So from from that point of view and especially if anything happened at night time before. So it can be really important because sleep is key obviously in terms of our recovery as well and in terms of, you know, kind of between muscular and mental um, mm-hmm. recovery and, and, and the physical well-being of the body, we need sleep. So if that is an issue, you know, I think it is really important to, to, to I think in the case of anything that's an issue, it's important to actually acknowledge, okay, this is a problem for me. So if I can recognise it's a problem, I can do something about it. Yeah, and if talk I, to yeah. somebody about it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Because, to somebody, I mean, yeah. I mean, everything we put on the table here, mm. I guess, I mean, it's 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 probably resonating with a number of people listening to this in many different ways. Yeah. But it's important to, to have that discussion with somebody, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And being able to, you know, there's a lot of things that people can do even themselves to be able to actually regulate sleep and just beginning to have a bit of a kind of a sleep hygiene is often the, the, the terms, but kind of just plan before bedtime about how am I going to unwind and relax and how am I going to minimise screen time before bed, minimise caffeine, you know, or even cut caffeine out altogether um, and caffeine is also in green tea I always tell people that because right. they feel like that's a healthy option which it is but uh, in terms of caffeine um, and just having a, a time to kind of unwind or do things that are relaxing before bedtime yeah. and then to use the breath things we often, did years ago before we had I know, all this you know, I know yeah. all this lovely stimulating <laughs> technology yes. that's just leave the phone at the door <laughs> yes exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. unplug um, and then using the breath um, and there's a lot of lovely mindfulness tracks that people can use just as a way of just not staying in your head and coming back into the body and often that switches off thinking mode and helps us to relax more so we're not yeah. keep driving ourselves with the same thoughts and and there are other kinds of relaxation yeah. exercises or even relaxing music that people can uh, have as a way or of to find just, something yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. something that isn't your own thoughts going around and around if you know that you're caught up in your own thinking or worries just being able to step out of that in some way whatever way that yeah. you know and people I think acknowledging that this is a problem and then trying to figure out okay what can I do about it. I mean, look at it. Outside of this, I've read recently a lot about the, I suppose, the research that's been done mm. and the, the benefits of mindfulness in helping people recover yeah. across a wide yeah. variety of yeah. situations. There's a, there's a lot of content there, I guess, and a lot of, uh, you're an advocate of mindfulness. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, then, of course, there's evidence and there's benefits there. Yeah. And uh, I know they've, we've, we've run our mindfulness groups in cardiac rehab mm-hmm. and I know they've done some studies on mindfulness for people with cardiac events and in the in the in the recovery process and it's just a very helpful way of I think in terms of just bringing people back into the present moment so that uh, you can I suppose really savor what's here or deal with any difficulty that's sure. here rather than, you know, often we can just keep running into the future based on what we're saying to ourselves in our heads. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're all doing it all the time. It's not it's not unusual or specific to cardiac rehab people, but it is something that can really just kind of keep certain 
problematic patterns going and um, that we just keep uh, mm-hmm. doing what we've done uh, without kind of stepping off the treadmill. I think really. it was Henry Ford who said, you know, if you think you're right or you think you're wrong, <laughs> yeah. you're right you both times. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess, look, it's, there's, there's a lot in there, mm. but, you know, there's people listening here and it's resonating with them, but they're about to start or maybe have started a, a mm-hmm. cardiac rehab program. So how do people feel? You know, and, and and what sort of, I don't like using the word journey, but, you know, yeah. what kind of emotional kind of uh, stability can come in mm-hmm. to someone's recovery process by engaging in the cardiac rehab program? Yeah, and and I think you're, you're right, really. It is kind of an emotional journey that people are taking, you know, in terms of they've been through something very challenging yeah. that wasn't expected a lot of the time, that's caused a lot of fear about what's going to happen next and uncertainty, uh, particularly if there's other people in, in their lives, but even f- for themselves and what might happen. And that sense of mortality, the kind of bubble being burst on, on, on that and how do we cope with that? And mm-hmm. for some people that can be the first time that they've ever had to engage with that. You know, uh, somebody who dies suddenly has no experience of that. So it's unusual that you could have something very significant like that happen. You're stopped in your tracks and you think, OK, what happens now? Mm-hmm. And we don't have a kind of a coping or resource or roadmap as to how to deal with that. So looking around to seeing what's what's available, or what other people have gone through. And just being able to build up the confidence in the exercise and the physical body again is mm-hmm. huge. So I think even in terms of just doing the exercise alone in a way that's monitored and supported, um, that's really, really significant for people because they can just develop a, bit, a sense of, OK, I can climb up the stairs. You know, yeah. if you're living with that sense of constant fears, you know, if I climb the stairs, if I walk, if I run, if, I, if I'm here on my own, if I'm, yeah. you know, the, the places that people find themselves and the fear that they're living with. Um, until they can get a sense of confidence of okay I can do this activity and I'm going to be okay um, and building that up and it's a process of you know really for a lot of people it's six months um, if not longer in, mm-hmm. in, in some cases for people it can take depending on what they've been through and that's okay um, and that's okay. Yeah. And people don't expect that. So I think even normalising that, that actually this takes a while in terms of the recovery. And then I suppose just the, the we talked a little bit about some of the, the feelings of anxiety that people have from kind mm-hmm. of milder feelings to really quite severe, you know, a sense of, of you know, kind of um, difficulty, maybe breathing when they find themselves out um, with other people or engaging in the world or the expectations that they might have of themselves to to, to go back in and engage to the pre-cardiac event pre, yeah. to the pre-cardiac yeah. life yeah the yeah. pre-cardiac event life and my you know either if it's a grief around you know that I don't have that now in terms of you know uh, the difficulty that I'm coping with or challenging mm-hmm. and even looking at other people and we're terrible for comparing ourselves to everybody else and them next door or my family no, nobody else has this problem why do I have it and yeah. the kind of you know maybe regret sometimes about what, what, what's what gone on before that is there things they could have done to um, make something happen differently or did they cause this it can be a lot of feelings of kind of guilt or sure. um, I mean there's a couple of things I probably want to ask you on the mm-hmm. basis of that I mean Okay, when you talk about like anxiety and, and people would have low mood and different things, you know, what do you advise people here in this case? I mean, what do you what do you do in yeah. your role then yeah. to kind of discuss this and kind of? I think if we can recognise that we have a difficulty, I think that's huge. Yeah. So being able to say, "Hang on, something's not right here." Mm-hmm. So our emotions are actually really helpful a lot of the time when they're not nice or pleasant emotions. We just want to kind of bag them up and push them to one side and say, sure. "I don't want that feeling. I want the happy one that comes over here." So you know, we're very good at kind of pushing that to one side but actually it's still there it's not going anywhere and sometimes it just gets 
bigger. Uh, but that feeling of having kind of an awareness, OK, something's going on here. I, I don't like this or I feel anxious or worried or I'm down or I feel sad um, or sometimes even having kind of, you know, uh, you know, memories or things coming back in of the experience that they've had that can mm-hmm. be a bit intrusive or, or difficulty in feeling a little bit raw and vulnerable or traumatised sometimes with that, um, depending on how, how much we're feeling that. Um, and in terms of that, uh, I suppose, experience, depending on how much it interrupts our lives or how, how great that can be, we might need to do things differently. Mm-hmm. So for some people, it might be just about acknowledging, OK, this is a difficulty. I have to listen to these emotions. What are they telling me that I need? Mm-hmm. So if I'm very worried, maybe I have you know, genuine medical questions that I need to get sorted that I don't know the answers to. Um, Or maybe I need to figure out how to do things differently in terms of stress or stress management, in terms of being able to be kinder to myself a lot of the time and not be as demanding of myself and adjust my lifestyle. accordingly. find a balance. For, For some people, if they're very, you know, kind of low or struggling, for example, sometimes people can have a sense of hopelessness or a sense of what's the point and feel like, you know, I was doing everything right up to this point or I was, mm-hmm. you know, in, engaged in my life and now I don't feel connected to that at all. A sense of loss, feeling like they, they can't talk to certain people because they don't understand it. So this can be a disconnect and, and, and people can sometimes, you know, things can, can come apart a little bit or they might lose interest in taking care of themselves. And there is, it's, it's a risky time in a way because if if that continues and we leave it go unnoticed, sometimes that can kind of become bigger yeah. um, and it can become a bit more unmanageable. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're probably not doing what's recommended for people after yeah. a heart attack or maybe sure. we're not eating properly or the sleep might get interrupted and we mightn't bother with the exercise. I feel, oh, I can't be bothered. What's the point? Um, and actually, we're more at risk of having more cardiac problems if, if that's the case. And sometimes a sense of a belief that actually there are things that I can do myself mm-hmm. to help myself here, that it's not completely pointless. And actually, how do I get back on? It's very understandable that I might feel sad and I might yeah. feel down, but actually it doesn't mean, therefore, there's no point in anything Um, and sometimes people might need a little bit of help kind of figuring that out or sometimes even just acknowledging yourself actually there are things that I can control and it's that kind of phrase of control the controllables what are the things that I can do to help myself and And that's the great thing about the programme I guess because it's it's, it's kind of it's laid out in such a way that it's multidisciplinary there's you know education across Mm -hmm. all those things you've mentioned you know exercise diet mood um, etc so it's it's all there in in bite-sized chunks Yes, exactly. And then the whole... The whole process together adds comes up to together. Then, yeah. yeah, you know, but it's it's that sense of even within the exercise, you know, like physically being able to do something in terms of being able to manage the stress that we're under. You know, that link between the mind and the body is huge. If I'm mm-hmm. kind of sedentary, feeling down, don't feel like doing anything, a bit withdrawn, think, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, that just continues to grow. Whereas if I can recognise on some level, okay, no, hang on, something's you know not mm-hmm. not going okay for me here. Even physically saying, OK, if even because often we don't feel like going for a walk, for example, yeah. or physically doing something, but actually agreeing with yourself, OK, if I feel like that, I'm going to still do my walk or still do a yoga or still do some kind of physical um, activity, swimming, whatever it is, that if I know I'm able to do that, but even kind of a gentle walk it'll help physically discharge that stress or that low mood or the anxiety that we have because you're coming back into the body. So we're always coming back to the body. Yeah, and I I, I guess that's where I'll come Mm. back to the point about the mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I mean, somebody who goes for that swim, Mm. that almost... Uh, like might be their 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 mindfulness yeah, exactly, moments, or exactly, like somebody yeah. is out uh, yeah. 
I mean, I, I love going out to the shed and I do a lot of things out in the yeah. shed in terms of yeah. uh, pottering about yeah. is what my kids call it. They don't ever see the, you know, the outcomes, but it's it's very relaxing out yeah, there, you yeah, know. Yeah. It's really important yeah. to have things in your day that make you smile, yeah. that make you laugh, that you feel connected to in some way. Maybe it's a sense of purpose or a sense of meaning. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a sense of social connection with other people, with family, with friends. Um, having, having something that you look forward to in your day yeah. is really important. If it's a day that is looking like a big long to-do list and you've no interest in anything on it and you get into bed at the end of the night and you're thinking, Phew, I'm exhausted exhausted, you know, we really need to look at that, you know, in terms of actually nobody is ever going to come up to you, tap you on the shoulder and say, sorry, now is the time that you need to um, figure this stuff out. It's now. It's just now. And then we come back and it's now again. And again, it's now. We need to just figure it out um, because no, there, there is no kind of magical time in the future where we're going to you know, often people have, well, when I retire or when I do, you know, in in, in, a, in a future time, I'm going to do things that make me happy sure. or make me feel connected. The, the oasis yeah. in the desert is to yeah. find those things in day to day. And the silver lining in a way of having something like a heart attack, even though it sounds like a very strange thing to say, is also it's an opportunity for, for change or for growth mm-hmm. that actually, you know, sometimes people don't get. You know, it's it's we, we are forced to look at our lifestyle. Sure. In, in a situation like this um, and that can be for the better you know it can be that we make choices it might be just small changes it's not that we have to go and mm-hmm. climb Kilimanjaro and you know do the kind of big life changing stuff it can be small things small changes but that's actually what changes our lives it's moment yeah. to moment experience if sure. I can have a better moment to moment experience in my life then I'm likely to have and I'm cognizant actually because we, we spoke to a few patients mm. you know have gone yeah. through the programme um, as part of this podcast series and you know, they've talked about the positive experience, mm, you know, because mm. we're talking about big themes here. Yeah, we're talking about yeah. kind of serious, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose, emotions. Um, yeah. And the chair you're sitting in now, somebody said last week, you know, I found this uh, a positive thing for me. OK, you know? yeah, yeah. And th- they looked at it that way. And it was very empowering to listen mm. to Mick mm. talk about that um, because he, he kind of, he, he believed yeah. <laughs> in something. You know, and I was so convinced by him Great. That, that that I suppose it showed that somebody who's is looking ahead, mm. you know, and is, yeah. is probably really like looking at life through a different lens. And it was very, very powerful to hear it. Great. That's really, yeah, that's lovely to hear. Yeah. Because I think it, it is a, a very unusual situation to find yourself in mm-hmm. um, and being able to say, OK, how do I adjust or adapt to this? What are the things that I can do to improve the quality of my life? You mm-hmm. know, that's that's amazing to be able to have that outcome. You know, uh, it's it, our brain goes to what's wrong, what's sure. wrong attention. And we zone in on that. And it's a survival mechanism we are meant to focus on the things or we're drawn to focus on the things that could be a potential threat. Mm -hmm. So that's just human nature. But a problem for us is that we have such a big brain now that we could spend our whole time in our head thinking, thinking, thinking. And actually, we need to actively override some of that what's wrong attention to come back to hang on a second here. Is there anything that I'm grateful for? Is I've, you know, survived. What do I want in my life? And actually, it can be a big light bulb moment for a lot of people Mm -hmm. in terms of you know, we're so driven, you know, there's so much expectation on ourselves, you know, in terms of kind of working or home life or often, you know, uh, you know, depending on your stage of life, that can be, you know, really challenging. And our own personal needs can be right at the back of the queue uh, in terms of what we'd actually like to be doing or how, you know. But, you know, like that, something like this can just change all that around yeah. uh, in in a very quick instance. And I'm sure you've seen you've seen a lot of this. I mean, everything you're telling mm. us there, you, you know, six years working in the unit yeah. there, 
So yeah. you've probably seen so many people go through that, come out the other side. And, and and they didn't think they would. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. that, that piece of, you know, you don't know where you are sometimes when you're feeling kind of lost or maybe alone or struggling. Um, but actually, even just acknowledging that and those people who did ask for help or say, actually, do you know what? Things aren't going the way I want them to go. Um, and we're able to do something about it. it can be really and, 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 you know, one small change can often bring us in a very different direction. Sure. You know, if we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to end up in the same place. So sometimes it's just acknowledging that and making one or two small changes it just brings us to a very different end point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and one change begets another almost. Um, so it's kind of the start of, of thinking in a different way sometimes yeah. for people. So I guess from, from that point of view, the psychological part of the cardiac rehab program I mean it's a big resource really mm, isn't it to, mm. to, I mean, as, as the whole program is but just because we're this is the topic we're yeah, on today yeah, yeah. I mean there's a lot of resource in there in terms of engaging as we said at the top starting in the stress group mm-hmm. starting to talk acknowledging mm-hmm. things can be wrong um, again I'm cognizant of the fact that people listening to this will you know will different aspects of what you've mm-hmm. talked about will resonate strongly with them mm-hmm. um, but that really you know the help is there yeah yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that piece of just allowing yourself to have help is OK. Yeah. You know, sometimes people feel like, oh, God, I came in with a heart attack and now I'm going mad as well on top of everything else. And and that's not the case at all. It's a very normal kind of process if mm-hmm. you think about if you knew or looked at somebody else going through this, you'd be very understanding. But sometimes people, you know, have a different set of expectations for themselves as to what's okay and that it's not okay to to feel like this or it's not okay. And I suppose the fear that are things going to unravel or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm out of my comfort zone. I don't know what this is. I I don't know how to cope with it. Um, But actually, I think awareness that actually this is a very normal part of the cardiac rehab recovery process. And that's just answered, I suppose, a question on what's your take home message? Because okay. that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of, you know, going with an open mind. Mm. Don't be too hard on yourself. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, often we talk about the friend test, you know, if it's good enough to expect it of my friend, then it's okay for me. Sure. Often we're very critical and harsh of ourselves, but we'd never talk or expect those things of a friend. Yeah. Um, but we expect ourselves to just kind of get on with it. And uh, when actually our whole system can be um, reeling from it sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that that lasts forever and definitely time is a good healer as well. Um, but there are things that we can do to make it easier for ourselves. Okay. Sinead, maybe just on a, a, a closing question, mm-hmm. so um, would be, you know, people are at home listening to this. Just a, a question around when should they seek help? Mm-hmm. What are the, I suppose, the red flags for you? Mm-hmm. Somebody may be sort of feeling or, you know, emotions that may be manifesting where you'd say to them, no, now it's time to actually mm-hmm. um, take that step and talk to somebody now. I think, you know, again, like that, it's on a spectrum in terms of what people feel. But mm-hmm. if you know that you're struggling and you are aware that it would be helpful to talk to somebody or in some way um, being able to express this and you're finding that there's nobody around that you feel happy or comfortable to talk to, mm-hmm. sometimes then it can be useful to think, OK, well, what what else is out there in terms of talking to the GP um, or talking to some of the, the online kind of supports that are there. But for most people, by and large, they will respond and recover okay. There's kind of a Mm -hmm. normal anxiety or low mood and and grief and sadness about this. But in terms of red flags for people who um, are struggling that bit more and and not letting this continue on indefinitely, um, because it can just become bigger and it can become unmanageable. It's where it interrupts your life. So if you know that you're not able to carry out um, your duties and 
I know we are physically compromised after a heart attack, so you mm-hmm. will be fatigued, you will be taking it slower, etc. But in terms of kind of emotionally, if, for example, you were very anxious and you felt like you didn't want to, to leave the house at all or that any, you know, that you, that you found yourself being very preoccupied by certain thoughts, had any panic or kind of high level of anxiety, difficulty sleeping, eating, you know, any of the physical um, kind of changes in, in the body in terms of appetite um, and in terms of mood, um, just feeling... Uh, very disengaged from your life and not kind of doing the things that um, that you would expect at that point in time. So I don't mean about jumping straight back into your life, but in terms of being able to manage any of the day to day tasks or if, for example, people are very unmotivated and, and not getting up out of bed or very withdrawn okay. and yeah. not caring for themselves in any way. I mean, I guess people will have the chance to talk a lot during the cardiac rehab mm-hmm. program, but for anybody listening to this, mm-hmm. you know, it's always important to sort of, you know, check in with your, your healthcare professional and in most cases the first line would be the GP. And and if at any point people were feeling you know extremely hopeless or felt that there was no point um, yeah. and, and it'd be very important at that point to talk to the GP or there are other services there like for example Pieta House if somebody felt very un, un, uh, unable to continue on um, or like that um, to uh, A&E either. Sinead, a big thanks again for coming in today. I really hope our listeners can take away one thing. Remember to ask for help. In our next episode of It's Cardiac Rehab, I'll meet with Dr. Kushta Ford, who will describe to us what the exercise programme is and why we should just keep moving. We'll also be joined by Paul, who will tell us how he got on after having finished the cardiac rehab programme in St. James. This podcast has been developed by the Irish Association of Cardiac Rehabilitation in partnership with the Irish Heart Foundation and supported by Servia Laboratories Ireland. For more information, or if you have any concerns, contact your local cardiac rehabilitation clinic or your GP or the Irish Heart Foundation at irishheart.ie. This is a six-part series. All episodes are available on the Irish Heart Foundation website at irishheart.ie. The content in this podcast is not intended to constitute or be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your doctor or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. The views, information or opinions expressed during the Cardiac Rehab podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of their employers, any hospital, the IACR, the Irish Heart Foundation or Servia Laboratories Ireland. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform and is not a substitute for professional diagnosis or treatment. The Irish Heart Foundation is here to support you. We have various ways in which you can join the larger heart and stroke community. We have meetings with expert speakers on topics such as diet, medication, exercise and the psychological effects of living with a heart condition. We have a very active private Facebook page called the Heart Support Network where you can access quality information and gain support from others who are on a similar journey to you. Our nurses are available with just a phone call for any medical queries you may have. If you have had a heart event or been diagnosed with a heart condition, do contact us on heartservices at irishheart.ie or phone 01668 5001.